Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Hey guys, it's Ahmed from Sports Finder. Just a heads up about the show that you're about to tune in, which is the live Instagram interview that we conduct on a weekly basis on Fridays with student athletes. Please excuse some of the um, disruptions in the recordings. It is a live session. So tune in and make the most of this amazing episode. Take care. Welcome to the second episode of the Business of NIL. My name is Ahmed Alhuli and today I have a very special guest, Mr. Peter from Affliance, the CEO of Affliance. Peter is already in the room. Welcome, let's let him in. Here we go, he's joining us. Peter. Hey, buddy. What's going on? How are you, buddy? How's things? Good, man. I can't complain. I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Peter, CEO of Athlions, a very valuable and hot uh, <laughs> compliance software at, at, at the moment in the world of NIL. Um, Peter... Let's uh, let's get started by telling people a bit about yourself and Affliance and what you guys are, cur- uh, are currently up to. Yeah, so we're, we're up to a lot, actually. Um, as everyone knows on here, name, image, and likeness is live. So we're out here helping schools. What our software, what we essentially do is we license our software to universities so that when their student athletes get opportunities in the NIL space, they can easily input their opportunities into our software and therefore disclose it to compliance to make sure they're not getting taken advantage of and to make sure they're not violating eligibility and to make sure they're not breaking state and federal law. Um, we've got a lot of exciting things going on like integrations, hopefully with platforms like yourself. So when student athletes get an opportunity, they can just click a button and it just sends that information over to the university because the name of the game is keeping these kids eligible making sure student athletes are in the game. They've been fighting for this ability to earn for 115 years, and it would be a damn shame if they lost that because of either being uninformed or being misled or making the wrong decisions. Absolutely, man. I mean, we've been working on a few deals in the last week ourselves, and we have agreements going up and down. Um, Compliance teams are definitely spending time uh, going through the agreements, which is a great sign. Um, we're actually highly encouraging all student athletes to get it through a lawyer, get it through a parent, get it through somebody who you trust and make sure you share it with your compliance team. And actually one of yeah. our practices is we won't go ahead unless we, we get it in writing from your compliance team. That's now, perfect, man. You know, and, and the reason is you have to think about it. Um, this was actually all supposed to start August 1st, right? We've been in this business for a while. 
And then Florida, my great state, said we're going to get a little funky and we're going to do it July 1st. Well, the reason that kind of messed things up, if you think about it, is the reason August 1st was the date was because that's when kids are back on campus. That's when the semester starts. And so right now you have student athletes have the ability to earn, but they're not on campus and their compliance departments haven't had the chance to educate them. Right. So a lot of these student athletes don't know what's allowed. A lot of these student athletes don't know what they should be doing as it pertains to their compliance departments. And now you have schools that weren't prepared for this because they were waiting for NCAA guidance, which they didn't get. And it was just thrown in their lap. So it's the perfect storm. And um, we are grateful that we're able to help some of our partner universities uh, protect those student athletes so they can earn a little bit of money. Absolutely. Um, Peter, let's now let's go back right to the beginning, right? A student athlete re receives an agreement or a contract. What are the first few things they should look for? Yeah, so the first things that they need to look for is, are they actually providing a service, right? You need to make sure that this isn't just pay for play. Then once you realize, okay, I'm getting um, contacted to perform a service and therefore I'm going to get uh, money for my name, image, and likeness, I need to make sure that I'm compliant with my university. I need to make sure that I'm compliant with state law. Um, I need to make sure I'm compliant with NCAA law. And student athletes aren't necessarily going to know that. So the best way to protect themselves is really simple. Just disclose it to your university. Put the onus on the university to let you know whether or not this is something you can do from an eligibility standpoint. And that not only protects you, but it protects your school and protects your teammates. Absolutely. And how, how is how is Affluence sort of doing a lot, a lot of the groundwork in the background? I mean, you guys also provide education as well yeah. to the different colleges. Share, share, share some light on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on, and with uh, great opportunity comes great responsibility. And we think it is our um, purpose to educate student athletes so if they're going to earn money, that they know what to do with it. So we do education on a multitude of fronts, right? We do financial literacy. We actually just cut an agreement with a good friend of mine, Didier Occident from Secure the Bag, helping student athletes create great habits, um, short term and long term goals on how to monetize and really um, manage their money, but then tax implications. Look, if I were 18 and 19 years old and I started making a little bit of money um, and it wasn't a job that just gave me, uh, you, know, a, you know, what I needed to file from a tax perspective, I would have no idea what to do. So educating student athletes on everything from a tax perspective as to what do I need to do from a state and federal level? Do I want to file quarterly or yearly? Do I want to form an LLC? What's the difference between a C Corp and an LLC? It's about empowering and educating these student athletes so not only can they partake in these opportunities, but they can maximize them. So we do that. We're looking into a lot of other things from an educational standpoint, things that aren't flushed out yet. Like if you make a certain amount of money from name, image, and likeness, it can actually affect your financial aid. It can affect your scholarship. It can affect your Pell Grant. So there is a fine line sometimes between how much money you want to be to make and right now because the schools didn't get that guidance from the ncaa the student athletes are struggling to find out where they're going to get that education and so we've taken it upon ourselves to kind of do that and implement it into our uh, software absolutely are there any resources that they can go to on your website or blog or somewhere or something that you guys can conjure up that we can then share with, with everyone because I mean, honestly, even with we're dealing with a lot of compliance teams and 
I'm not too sure these things are being discussed, if I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, they're not. And that's because you have to remember what happened with compliance. Now, just quickly, what you asked me, we are working on those things to get it on our website. Remember, we got to take care of our, our universities that are our partners, and they come first. Absolutely. But you have to remember what happened this year. So first of all, we thought NIO was starting in August, but we didn't even know if it was really happening. Now, I knew it was happening from a legal standpoint, right? I knew what was coming with Austin. We knew that this had to happen, um, especially after what took place between the NCAA and California, which I'd be happy to break down from a legal standpoint. But throughout the year, these compliance officers were waiting on NCAA guidance that they never got. But more importantly, compliance was running COVID protocols. They had to make sure these games went off without a hitch. Recruiting went down. They had to make sure that everything was running smoothly. So by the time basketball ended, you're talking about April. Now with NIL starting in July, that gives you less than three months to prepare for this thing, something that you're not educated on, something that you don't know is even going to happen. And you're relying on the NCAA, which has always guided you in policy decision-making. And then literally two weeks before, it basically became apparent Hey, universities, you're on your own. So it was a mess. But you, 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 know, you asked me a question to kind of talk about California. You have to understand how we got here. And a few years ago, California said, all right, name, image, and likeness for all of our student athletes. And the NCAA said, over our dead body, that will never happen. And California said, we were hoping you said that. If you deem our athletes ineligible, we're going to sue you in federal court. And when we go to federal court, we're going to go to the Supreme Court and we're going to bring up amateurism versus employment. And the NCAA did not want that battle. So the NCAA said name, image, and likeness. So based on that, and once states started introducing their own legislation, like Florida in July, we knew name, image, and likeness was starting in July unless Florida and other states agreed to back it up. Because the NCAA really had two options. Either A, allow everyone to do name, image, and likeness, which was the reasonable option, or B, sue those states in federal court, stopping them from name, image, and likeness. But if they did that, they'd be back to square one with California, which is those states would turn around and say amateurism versus employment. So that's why, to me, Alston wasn't so surprising. What was surprising about Alston was that the NCAA actually asked the Supreme Court to take it up because the ruling was pretty clear and, and dry. We knew what was going to happen. We knew that the NCAA did not have antitrust exemption. And if they didn't petition the Supreme Court, we don't get that, that big line from Kavanaugh. We don't get that 9 nothing um, crushing by the Supreme Court, which caused the NCAA to panic. Um, and so that's how we got here. We've been preparing for it from day one. I know you've been preparing for it for day one, but universities necessarily weren't, and there was a lot of reasons for it, both understandable and not understandable. But that's what we're here for, right? That's what Athliance is here for. We're here to protect those universities. We prepared for them. So, you know, when you sign up with us, we take care of everything. Absolutely. And that's the whole point of this series, really, honestly. After the feedback that I was getting from some of the athletes early on was, they really had no clue where to start. So I thought, why don't we put together this series with great people like yourself and many more to come so we can educate these, these student athletes. Um, go on, sorry. Yeah, no, that's, that's been the wildest part as we kind of open this up to our schools and we start embarking on this journey is 
not only the lack of education from a university standpoint because of their lack of guidance from the NCAA, but if you follow Twitter, you had all these people talking about name, image, and likeness and all these things, all these things that student-athletes could do. The ones that didn't know what they could do were the student-athletes. And so we're getting lots of questions on that end. What can I, can I, can't I do? And really, right now, there isn't a lot of guidance, and it is the Wild West. And the best way to protect yourself is before you enter into any deal, before you accept a single penny, put the onus and the responsibility on your university, disclose the opportunity, and let them make an eligibility determination. Absolutely. Um, some of the NIL policies that are currently out there from the NCAA who they've said could be applicable to the 50 schools, those, those that are without um, state policies and whatnot, or state laws. Um, how, how do the kids understand these, these, these rulings? I mean... Yeah. Is it is there is there like a brief um, summary that you can make of it or something? Because obviously, for for those that don't know, Pete's actually an an attorney himself, a practicing attorney, so he definitely understands all the law jargon and, and whatnot more than myself and and the student athletes. So, is yeah. there something that you, you 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 can share with us, Pete? Yeah. So it's quite interesting because states are all over the place with their legislation universities are still scrambling to come up with their terms and policies. So really the main prongs that you want to look at are, again, like I mentioned earlier, are you actually being contracted to provide a service, right? Do I have to do a post? Do I have to sign an autograph? Do I actually act? Do I actually have to do something? Okay. Because if you don't have to do anything and someone's just giving you money, that's pay for play. And that's what you have to worry about. All right. Um, but really, this is the perfect storm, and this is what the NCAA wanted. They wanted, uh, excuse me, they wanted universities to not know what to do. They wanted athletes um, to go out and get lots of opportunities, and what they wanted were those opportunities that just came in from the University of Miami. So the University of Miami just, um, they didn't ink the deal, but all 90 scholarship players inked a deal with, I think it was top team, um, a, a, a gym. It was done by a booster. Um, it was facilitated by an agent, right? And now every kid is going to get money and it's contingent on them posting. And they don't have to accept the money if they opt out. But here's the problem. Who's going to monitor that? If a student athlete gets that 500 bucks a month and they didn't post and they didn't do anything, is that pay for play, right? That's where things get hairy. That's where things get crazy. And now what's going to happen is you're going to have boosters at other universities trying to up the ante spending more money, getting crazier, and that's where the scandals happen. Add that to the fact that states are now saying to Congress, hey, the rules are all over the place, right? Michigan's rules are stricter than Ohio's rules. Well, that gives an advantage to Ohio State over Michigan. That doesn't make the Michigan ha fans happy, right? So now you have states reaching out to Congress saying, all right, it's time to get um, a uniform rule. And while they're sitting back, the NCAA is waiting for a scandal, in my opinion, because then they get to say, see, you did need us. You did need guidance. We aren't useless. And it's really going, in my opinion, the way the NCAA wanted. But it's going to get crazier. The boosters are going to get involved. Um, and that's where things get wild. Then you have the agent aspect. Nobody thought that sports agents would be allowed in this. Well, now they are. And we know how that's going to go. That's going to get shady. That's going to get scandalous. 
And again, the more scandal, the more chaos, really the better it is for the NCAA to come in and say, you need us, let's get some rules, let's get this thing going. Literally, I was on Clubhouse months ago from the start of the year, and these sports agents were talking about, in the sports agents groups, they were talking about how they were going to monetize and get involved in this world. I mean, seriously. Yeah, um, and we're seeing the deals now. Agents are taking 20% of some of these deals. That's where the NFLPA should jump in, right? Put a cap on it. But let's be honest. Agents are using this to find ways to sign kids down the road, and which is going to get more and more competitive, okay? Smart. Now, you have established agencies like CAA, um, Wasserman, Athletes First. They're not getting involved yet. They're established. But these lower-level, lower-tier agents, and I don't say that in a negative way, right? They're, they're just not as big. They're Smart. looking for that advantage, right, to sign players. And the best way to do it is get in early. And the best way to attract them, unfortunately, is to do whatever it takes. And oftentimes that brings scandal and it's the Wild West. But from a compliance standpoint, the more chaos and the wilder it is, the better for us, you know, to a certain extent. So we're not complaining. It makes you a lot more, a lot more valuable. That's why the University of Miami needs, needs to jump on ASAP if they haven't already. <laughs> I, I love them. We're, we'll see what happens with Miami. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Well, uh, Crazy times. Yeah. Um, Pete, um, we've taken enough of your time. You've been amazing. You've shared a ton of insight with us. Before we let you go, any parting words, any wisdom that you can share with, with, our, with our student athletes? Yeah. What, what, not what to do, what not to do. That's what we want to hear. We, we, we want to hear the, the, the unsexy things because everybody else is speaking about everything, everything else. Yes, uh, I know. The, the, the sexy stuff is the branding and the marketing. And yeah. Listen, if you're not eligible, if you're not on the team, you're not going to be able to profit off your name, image, and likeness. You student athletes have been fighting for this for 115 years. And so with great opportunity becomes that great responsibility. Put the onus, put the ball in your compliance department's court. When you get an opportunity Take the couple of minutes to let them know what's going on. Let them make an eligibility determination and you'll be protected. Let the professionals do their job while you can have the opportunity to go profit off your name, image, and likeness because it's about damn time. Just do it the right way. Slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schoenthal, CEO of Athlines. Thank you very much for joining me on the business of NIL. Take care, my man. And good job getting close on the last name. Very impressive. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm continually trying and learning. No, you're getting great, buddy. I appreciate you. And all my athletes, go check out SportsFinder. They're one of the good guys in the space. They're going to be one of the ones that's able to protect you and make sure you can earn the right way. Thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Yep. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?